God, thank you so much for who you are and for all that you do. God, we are just so excited to be able to be in this space, to be able to worship together, to be able to uh, open up the scriptures together, uh, and just to, to even just see each other's face is just such a special thing, God. And so we just, uh, we just are so thankful to be able to be in this space. I, I pray, God, as we dive into your word, that you would speak through me once again, that the words that come out of my mouth would be your words for your people on your day, God. We are here in this space to hear from you and to meet with you, and I pray that we would leave this space and this time changed by what we have heard, uh, changed for, for the better by what we have heard, uh, and challenged and shaped by your word. God, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We are uh, starting a brand new series today. Uh, and this brand new series is uh, not really a secret. Uh, we're going to be spending the summer in the Psalms. Uh, you know, this is really still springboarding off of our GROW initiative that we talked about in January to be able to, uh, to learn and follow Scripture both personally and in community. Yeah, that was kind of our grow thing as we talked about Connect, Grow, Serve this year is what it means to grow, is to learn and follow Scripture both personally and in community. We've spent the last 15 weeks kind of with a broad overview of Scripture, all of Scripture, from beginning to end. Look at some of the, the major themes, the major pieces that we need to know and understand to really be able to kind of read this book and to have it have it really be able to understand it a little bit. And so, uh, you know, this, this, this week, uh, we're going to kind of start a collection of series. This one's going to take through the summer, but we're just going to dive into more specific pieces of scripture. Uh, again, this last series was really a broad overview. Uh, so we're going to, we're going to dive into more specifics here. So we're going to spend the summer in the Psalms. Later on, we're going to kind of go into kind of some letters of Paul and some other things. And so it's just going to be a good time for the rest of the year, just diving into scripture and, and uh, just spending some quality time there. And so this, this journey, we are uh, spending some time in the Psalms. Like I said, the Psalms are really interesting. Uh, Psalms typically are kind of thought of as kind of like the, the, the add-on right? You go and you get one of those little Bibles and it's the New Testament and, and Psalms, right? It's like just kind of the throw in. And even when you're in some of these reading plans, like, you know, even the plans that we're using this year, uh, if you're reading the Bible through a year with us, it's like you can just add on a Psalm. It'll make it go a little quicker. You know, like that's kind of the attitude that a lot of people have about the Psalms. There's kind of like the extra stuff in the middle. Uh, it's just like some fun poetry and songs, but there's not really a lot there. That's kind of more the, the common thought when we read the Psalms is like, ah, that's cute. You know, that's kind of, that's what we think of sometimes. But the Psalms, there is so much depth of meaning in the Psalms if we just stop to see what is there for us. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to spend some time, some quality time in the Psalms. And my hope is that during this series, I think we can just catch a, catch a glimpse of the depth that is there uh, because there is a lot of depth and a lot of meaning, even in some of these psalms, as we read some of the backstories and some of what, what the psalmist is actually talking about. Uh, and we're going to start this morning uh, with one of my favorites. And uh, you'll probably hear me say that at least 10 times during this series. This psalm is one of my favorites. Uh, I mean, why not do my favorites, right? If I'm going to do a series of psalms, why not do my favorites? But we're going to be in one of my favorites this morning, uh, Psalm 95. So if you want to go there with me. Uh, we're going to be in Psalm 95. We're not going to get there quite yet, but that's where we're going to be kind of camping out 
If you're in one of our pew Bibles, it's on page 514. Um, and uh, we're going to definitely just mark that page. Uh, and we're going to actually start, though, back in the book of Exodus before we get to Psalms. Because I think this psalm uh, makes a little more sense once we kind of hear, again, the backstory, the, under, the underbelly of what is going on in this psalm. And so we're going to start in the book of Exodus Uh, And I want to just ask a a question that we're going to be answering this morning in this. Do we realize and do we understand what actually takes place when we come here to worship? I know we've, when we, when we worship together, there is, there is something deep and meaningful that happens. I mean, there is a weight and a wonder to what we do each and every week when we come to this space or even when we have gathered online and we have sang and we have dived, we have dove, dove into the word. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know, but uh, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a weight and a wonder to that. And it's, I think it's possible to just kind of have, have this service and have this time that we spend together just be sort of like routine, and we just kind of lose the weight and the meaning of, of what actually happens when we come and we worship together. And so, again, we're actually we're going to get to the psalm. But I want to start back in the book of Exodus and just kind of remind us that what's, what's going on here right now has actually been happening for a long time. Right? You go back to the book of Exodus, and some of you will remember this from my last series. You, know, you get back to the beginning of Exodus where we know that the people of God, the Israelites, the descendants of Abraham, they are in slavery in Egypt. And God sends Moses to free his people out of Egypt. Why? What was the purpose behind that? Well, we read in Exodus chapter 4 that God says he wants to bring them out so that they might worship him. You get to Exodus chapter 5, and it's when, when God tells Aaron and Moses to go, what does he say to tell to Pharaoh? Go and tell him to let my people go so that they might go and hold a festival to me, that they might just gather and worship. And that's exactly what happens. We read the story in this last series about how God frees his people from slavery, brings them to Mount Sinai where they gather essentially to worship. And I want to read this story, Exodus chapter 19, just we're not going to read the whole story, but just some of the story, Exodus chapter 19, starting at verse 16, uh, and, and here's, here's what just listen to this and try and picture this, uh, and this is what this says, on the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace, and the whole mountain trembled violently. As the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and the voice of God answered him. Just like, just think about that. All right, there's this, there's thunder, and there is fire, and there is smoke, and Moses speaks to God, and God answers him. Like, just, just wow, right? This is one of those moments that you're just like, this is a wow moment in Scripture that you just want just to see this. Like, I, I talk a lot about the replay room, right? This is one of those times I want to see this. Like, I want to see the fire. I want to see the smoke. I want to see the thunder. I just want to see just the glory of God in this moment. And, and, and just the fact that Moses speaks to him and God, God answers him. Right, they, they're, they're gathering here, and what they're doing is they're, they're gathering for, for worship, and God speaks. 
Now, what's happening here would become a pattern in the Old Testament, right? Not always the, the thunder and lightning and the smoke, but uh, God would regular people, God's people, the Israelites, the sons of Abraham, they would regularly gather to worship and to hear his word. And, and this is what it meant to even be the people of God, right? That they would gather together, that they would hear the word of God, that they would, they would just be together. I mean, in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 5 and 6, Ezra opens up the scripture he's opening up the law and as he's reading the people with him they stand and they just shout amen amen and then they they get on their knees and they bow their heads and they they worship this is what it means to be the people of God and this is what we see all throughout the old testament the people of God gathering they are hearing the word and they are worshiping together you know it's interesting in the new testament the word for a church is ecclesia which literally just means gathering Right? It's the gathering of God's people. And it just kind of continues the tradition of the church since the very beginning. Uh, what is the church? The church is the gathering of God's people. I want you to see this in Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12, starting at verse 18, says this. You, you have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire. All right, you can, you can picture here what he's talking about. He's looking back to the very beginning, to the people coming out of, of Egypt and, and what their experiences was. And he's talking to the New Testament church, which, of course, we are a part of. Remember, we're, we're in that you are here page in between Jude and Revelation, right? We are in this. So here's what he says. You have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire, to darkness, gloom, and storm, to a trumpet blast, to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word could be spoken to them because they could not bear what was commanded. Even if an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. I mean, just think about this. He's, this, is what, this is what the writer of Hebrews is saying here. Look, you haven't come to the same mountain. Right? You haven't come to this same mountain that the people who came out of Egypt came to. You're, you're not at Mount Sinai where there is smoke and there is fire, but you have come to a better place. You have come to Mount Zion where there is God and he is there and Jesus is the mediator. And you don't even gather alone. You gather with thousands upon thousands of angels who are all singing the glory of God. This is what we do here. This is what church is about. This is what the gathering of the people of God is about. I mean, we gather to, to give glory to God and to hear him speak. I mean, it doesn't always happen through thunder. I know we've heard thunder maybe once here uh, at church, but uh, you know, it's, it's, it's to hear his word. And so, you know, I, but I, I see this. I think we have a tendency, if we're not careful, to miss this. We have a tendency, if we're not careful, to, to come in casually because it's just what we do on Sundays and it doesn't even cross our mind kind of how mind-blowing what we're actually doing here is. That we can, we can come and, and it is honestly a more, this is a more distinct and profound time than any other in our entire week as we come to worship God. You know, John Stott said, 
True worship is the highest and noblest activity by which man, by the grace of God, is capable. We are capable of worship only by the grace of God. A.W. Tozer said, in my opinion, the greatest single need of the moment is that light-hearted, superficial religionists be struck down with a vision of God high and lifted up with his train filling the temple. The holy art of worship seems to have passed away like the Shekinah glory from the temple, from the tabernacle. As a result, we are left to our own devices and forced to make up the lack of spontaneous worship by bringing in countless cheap and tawdry activities to hold the attention of the church people. I just... Just let that soak in. Right, we, have, we have lost our focus of why we come. We come to worship. We come to worship. We come to, to fix our eyes and our hearts on God. And, and we, we need to, to rediscover that heart for worship. We need to just, I, I really do think the greatest, that's not the, just the greatest need in our church, and not this church, but that church, but in our lives as well. And so this, this brings me to where we're going this morning, Psalm 95, because I think Psalm 95 has a lot to teach us about worship. I really do. I think, especially hearing kind of the, the background, we'll get more into the background here as well, but I think just hearing this, I think this, this psalm is, has been used as kind of a call to worship. And what we're going to see here is kind of the, the first half kind of depicts kind of the wonder of worship as we worship together. But the second half depicts kind of the, the seriousness or the weight of worship. So let's read this psalm together. Psalm 95, uh, I, I forgot what page it's on here. 514, if you're in one of our pew Bibles, if you're keeping up in there. So, uh, but Psalm 95 says this, Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Now, oftentimes we stop there, but I want to I keep going. Today, if only you would hear his voice. Do not harden your heart as you did at Meribah, for as you did in that day at Massa in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested me. They tried me, though they had seen what I did. For 40 years I was angry with that generation. I said, they are a people whose hearts go astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared an oath in my anger. They shall never enter my rest. You see why they usually stop at that point, right? <laughs> it's kind of good. It's kind of like a, it's like a psalm where you read it, and for the first half you're like, oh, this is so nice. Then you start, you keep reading, you're like, huh, okay. Like, that was... That's kind of a weird ending, right? That's kind of a weird way to end that psalm. But the first part is so beautiful. So we just, we read it and we kind of stop there. But that's, that's not where we need to stop. I think there's really, really two things that we see here in the psalm. The first of which is this. It's kind of the who. We, we remember who we are worshiping. And then we, then in the later half, we kind of talk about the how. How how we worship. So I want to start with the who. I think we need to remember uh, who we are worshiping. And this psalm does a really good job of, of just kind of reminding us who we're worshiping. Because I think honestly, if we're if we're really honest with ourselves, sometimes I think we we don't forget, but we kind of just don't put the importance that it should be on there. I mean, think about this. 
How many of you, maybe this is just me, and I'm just admitting something this morning. I don't think I am, though. How many of you have just started to pray, and then like, within like four or five thoughts, your mind has wandered and you are somewhere else? You don't need to answer that out loud, but I don't think I'm alone in that. Right? I think that's just something that, that happens sometimes. And I think, I, I think it's an accident. I really do. I hope it's an accident. Because, yeah, think about this. I mean, you, you're praying. You, you go to God and you seek Him in prayer. And you start praying about something. And all of a sudden, these, these thoughts pop into mind. And you're like, okay. And you're kind of, okay, let me, let me mark this down because I don't forget. This is something I need to do today. And then we go back to prayer. And I think we just kind of inadvertently kind of just don't really think about who we're praying to. I mean, the other, the other option is that we don't care, and that's not a very good option, right? I think we just we forget like, the power of who it is that we are praying to as we, as we go to prayer. I think we just need to be reminded of, of kind of the who as we worship. It, just, it, it happens so easy sometimes when we forget, but we just need to be reminded. And Psalm 95, I think, lifts our eyes to the, the wonder of the one that we worship, and it, it tells us who he is. I mean, just think about this in Psalm 95. Who, who is this? Who is this God that we worship? Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. The Lord, if you'll remember from our last series, Lord in all caps. What does that mean? It's Yahweh. This is the the personal name for God. This is the name that God gives himself in in the book of Exodus. Moses saying, who should I tell them is sending me? And God just says, tell them I am who I am. Uh, Yahweh. Uh, this, is the, this is the name that he gives himself. This is the name that is here. Uh, he's saying, look, I am, I am the Lord. This is the Hebrew name for God, Yahweh. It's how he revealed himself, like I said in Exodus chapter 3. But really this name is kind of this, uh, this is reminder that he is, he is not like us. That he is, he is other than us. Uh, even, even, just, even now, uh, people in this, uh, the, the Jewish people, they won't even write the name G-O-D. It's just too, too special, too high. They don't use vowels. <laughs> I mean, even sometimes when you read Yahweh, it's just Y-W-H something, yeah. <laughs> I'm spacing on the thing. But it's, it, you know, they don't use the vowels. It's just too special to even say out loud or to even write it down. I think we, we miss this sometimes because we just, we read this and we just say it all the time. Oh, thank you. It's just, there's a specialty here. There's a, there's a special name here that says, let us, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Just, just let that soak there. I wish there was kind of a selah there, but there's not. Let us sing for joy to the Lord. In verse 3, he calls it, we say he's the king. The Lord is the great God. He is the great king, capital K, the great king above all gods. I guess this God that we worship is above all other God. All other rulers of the world are underneath this God that we worship. He is the great king, capital K king. He is the great king above all gods. In verse 4 and 5, we see that he is the creator of the universe. It says, in his hands are the depths of the earth and the mountain peaks belong to him. Right? God is, I, I just love this picture of God holding the world in his hands. Like he is, he formed the world. Right? He is the creator of the universe. Not only is he the creator of the universe, he's the owner of the universe. Right? You, you think about this. It says the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it. And his hands formed the dry land. Like everything is his. Like we think we own land. <laughs> God, God owns the land. God is the owner. He is the creator. He is the owner of the universe. Uh, We see that he is our maker in this. 
Uh, and not just that he has made the universe, but he is he's just, the psalmist is just in awe of this God who has made us as well. I just, they just, there's so much here. We get later on in the psalm, we talk about God as, as the shepherd, that this God is, is protecting us and providing for us, that he cares for us. I mean, just, just process this. This is who we worship, which leads us back to verse 1 where it says that he is the rock of our salvation. This God that we worship is the rock who, of our salvation. He's the rock who saves us and who delivers us which is exactly the picture from Exodus. God brings his people out. He rescues his people. He saves his people out of slavery in Egypt. And what do they do? They come out and they worship. He is the rock of our salvation. This is the picture from Exodus. He saves his people so they can worship him in freedom. And here's the thing. Sure, we, we, we are not slaves But man, God has saved us from our sins so that we might worship him. This this God that we worship is is the same God that they worshiped. He has come to us. He is not distant from us. He is not absent from us. He has come to us. This same God we're introduced to in the New Testament as Jesus, God in the flesh. John 8, 58 says, Jesus says, he is the I am. Revelation 19, Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Colossians 1.16, he's the creator. And 1.17, he is the maker. And John 10, he is the shepherd. Right? We see all of these things that we're all talking about in this psalm made present, made kind of manifest in the person of Jesus. And in all of the Gospels, Jesus is the rock of our salvation. All of these things that the psalmist talks about are made manifest in Jesus. Remember, we just need to remember who we are worshiping when we come to this place. We are worshiping the Lord, the King above all kings. He is the creator. He is the maker. He is the sustainer. He is our shepherd. He is the rock of our salvation. And we come to this space and this time, and we just get to spend time in worship. I, just, I think we need to just, just remind ourselves of that. But I think not only do we need to just kind of remind ourselves of who we worship, I think we need to realize the how as well how we worship the the phrase let us is in this psalm five times let us uh first one is in verse one let us sing which is what we do when we gather we come and we sing we sing words of praise to him. We sing about what a, what a wonderful, powerful name is Jesus. We sing, not to us, God, but to your glory. Uh, to your name be the glory. We sing these songs of, of worship to our God. And this music and song is just a natural expression of worship. It has been from the beginning. Uh, we, it says also in verse 1, let us shout. Now this is something, admittedly, in our, in our, not only our church, but in just in our denomination, we don't really do that well. Like, we don't really shout a lot. Like, there's not a lot of shouting in our services, uh, but that's okay. Like, we can shout. We can feel free to shout because we, we just feel so overwhelmed with the glory of God. It is okay to shout in church. Right? You are holy. There is no one like you. I mean, we stand in awe of you. Sometimes I think we yell, we just kind of like, it just kind of comes out sometimes and then we look around like, oh man, I hope no one's like looking at me, right? But it's not something to be embarrassed about. This is, this is, this is a, a way that we can worship God. 
Come, let us sing. Let us shout. In verse 6, we see, let us, let us kneel. Let us bow down. Let us kneel. Now, this, this is this Hebrew for worship here, just to, to bow down and to just fall prostrate, to get down on our knees. This is something that we also don't do super well. All right, we don't really worship on our knees so much. But man, if, we, if you feel called, like, just do it. This is a way that we can worship. We can worship on our knees. All right, we, we come before him. Uh, verse 2, let us come before him with thanksgiving. We thank him. We come to worship with, with just thanksgiving because of all that God, who he is, and all that he has done. We just come with thanksgiving. But I think this... This, this last piece here that we come and we, we need to listen humbly. See, this last part here, uh, this verse that sometimes we skip, right? We, we stop kind of at the first half of verse 7 there because, you know, we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. That's just a feel-good verse. But then you keep reading and it says, what, today, if you would only just, just hear his voice, just hear his voice. Listen for, listen for the voice of God. See, worship is not just a, a one-way thing. Worship is not just us kind of sending our praises to him. Worship involves listening for the voice of God as well. I mean, even in the book of Exodus, what happens? Moses speaks to God, and it just makes, makes clear God speaks back. God, God speaks into his people as they worship. And so we need, to, we need to be able to listen. We need to be able to listen, to, to listen for the voice of God, not only as we sing, but as we, as we open up the word. This is what we're doing. We're, we are listening. I'm, I mean, I'm speaking, but we are listening. You're not just listening to me. You're listening just for the voice of God, that God would speak through his word to you even as we come. But here's the second thing we need to do. We need to, I guess this is like the fifth or sixth thing, but we need to obey as well. We need to obey as well. There's this... This whole back half of this psalm, funny enough, it's on another part, it's in another column in my Bible, like, this psalm is literally split where I said we usually stop, it's split that part on this half and the other part on the other half, it kind of makes it a little more, more hard to do, I don't know if yours is as well, but, but I just, I think about this, it says, do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did that day at Massa in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested me. They tried me, though they had seen what I did. For 40 years I was angry with that generation. I said, they are a people whose hearts go astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared an oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. Now there's reference here to Massa and Meribah. Now, I want to just, just go back for a second with me, because I want to talk about what even happens here. What, what's the importance of those things? So if you want to go back with me, uh, it's in Exodus chapter 17. Uh, Exodus chapter 17, um, let me figure out where I want to start here. Uh, Exodus chapter 17, which I covered with a note. Uh, Exodus chapter 17, where am I? Seven. Uh, so uh, we'll just start kind of at, we'll start at one. Here we go. It says, uh, the whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. 
They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled and they quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there and they grumbled against Moses. They said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? Why, why bring us out? Right? Again, just like the psalm said, they saw what had happened. They've seen everything up to this point, And they're still testing God. And Moses cried out to the Lord, what am I to do with these people? They're almost ready to stone me. I, I can just imagine just kind of the exasperation that Moses is speaking with here. Like, man, what, do I, what am I going to do with these people? Uh, what, what am I going to do with them? I led these people out of Egypt, but what am I going to do with these people, right? They're, they're going to they're kill me if I don't do something. The Lord answered Moses, go out in front of the people, take with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff with you, which, which you struck, with which you struck the Nile, and go. I will stand there before you by the rock at Oreb. Strike the rock, and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the place Massa and Meribah, because the Israelites quarreled, and because they tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Is God here or is he not? Right? This is, this is, what, they, <coughs> this is what they were saying here. And so you see this, this psalm is saying, look, don't harden your hearts like these people did at Massa and Meribah. Like, don't, don't say, like, oh, are you here or not? Like, what is going on here? Like, why did you just bring us out here to just die of thirst? Like, what, what are you doing here? Like, but don't, don't harden your hearts like these people did at Massa and Meribah. I mean, this is, this is I mean, even you get to the book of Numbers even after that. In Numbers 14, it says, not one of those who saw my glory and the signs I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, but disobeyed me and tested me ten times. Not one of them will ever see the land I promised on oath to their ancestors. This is, this is they, they just, they didn't grasp who God was. They didn't grasp the fact that he was leading them to a place that he had promised them long ago. And maybe, maybe they did, but that almost makes it worse in my mind, that they, that they did know what was going on. They were still saying things like, did you just lead us out here to die? What's going on, God? I just, just I think even in, the, even in the book of Hebrews, again, Hebrews written to, to the New Testament church, to us, in chapter 3, uh, 7 through 15, says this. So as the Holy Spirit says, as the Holy Spirit says, okay, as the Holy Spirit, those, this is, those who have said yes to Jesus will be able to hear the Holy Spirit. As the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as you did in the rebellion during the time of the testing in the wilderness. That sound familiar? Where your ancestors tested me and tried me, for, though for 40 years they saw what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation. I said their hearts are always going astray. They have not known my ways. So I declared an oath in my anger that they shall never enter my rest. See to it, brothers and sisters, that, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. I just think it's... Here's, again, we're going to the same, same place. This is 
New Testament, talking about the Old Testament, and Psalms is right there in the middle saying the exact same thing. Don't harden your hearts. Don't harden your hearts. I mean, we can come here and we can go through the motions and we, if, we, if we come to the word and we don't hear it or we harden our hearts to it, we totally miss the point of worship. I mean, this is, this is why I say there is, a, there is a weight and a wonder to worship when we come to this space that we, we desperately need to be aware of. I mean, Matthew 15, Jesus is is speaking, and he's speaking about the Pharisees, and he says, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And we, we kind of memorize that part, but this, again, this, we stop there sometimes. But there's, there's another piece after that. Here's what it says. It says, they worship me in vain. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. That's Matthew 15, 9. They worship me in vain. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. I mean, it's a, here's the thing. This is a, this is a sin that is unique to what we're doing right now. All right, we, if we come to this place and our hearts are not close to God, if we, don't, if we don't grasp kind of why we come to worship, we worship in vain. I don't know about you, I don't, I don't want that. I don't want to be the one who is worshiping in vain. I want to understand and know and, and just fully grasp like what we're coming here in this space to do. It is such an important thing that we come to do. And I just want to urge you not to be kind of cold toward God and worship. Like We need to let today be the last day that we're able to just come in this space and, and just not think about what we're doing. Uh, at my very first church in, in Phoenix, Arizona, there was a... Uh, it was painted on the wall as you come into the sanctuary. It was painted up above the door. It says, have you prayed for the service you're about to enter? And I just thought, man, what a profound thought. <laughs> have you prayed for this service? Have you prayed that God would speak and move in this service that we're going to be coming in? There's, there's depth and meaning that happens in this space as we worship. But here's, here's the thing I get from this psalm too. There's, there's encouragement here. I know it ends in kind of a... A weird way, it says, so I declared an oath in my anger that they shall never enter my rest. But I want to just, just say this. The opposite is also true. What, what he's talking about here is all these people who harden their hearts and they, they don't come and they don't worship and they don't listen and they don't obey. They don't do what God is calling them to do. They're, they're not worshiping in this way that the psalmist is saying, like, come, let us... Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Let's worship this God who made us and made the world. Let's worship the rock of our salvation. And he's saying, don't harden your hearts like these other people did. And God told them that they would never enter his rest. But here's the thing. If we don't harden, or if we don't harden our hearts, if we can kind of grasp and come to worship with, with a heart that is right and a mind that is right, what happens is we do enter his rest. We do enter his rest. We, we get to come into the rest that God has for us. And this is the, this is the whole tone of Psalm 95. Let's come and let's worship. This is the God. This is the Lord. He is the great king above all other gods. He, he is the creator, the sustainer. He is the shepherd. He is the maker. He owns everything. The whole world is in his hands like that kid's song. Everything is his. We come to worship this God. Don't harden your hearts. We worship because he's worth it. 
We worship because of who he is and because of all he's done. And when we can do that, when we can worship, we will experience a satisfaction and a rest that can only come from him. That is why we worship. God, God help us to just rediscover this wonder and weight of worship. Let's pray. God, we love you this morning. We are just grateful for your word and grateful for the ways in which you move and speak through your word, God. And God, this morning we're, we're challenged by your word. God, sometimes we, we come into this space, and, and I've been guilty of this, just coming into this space and just not really feeling it and kind of going through the motions. God, help us, help us not to be that. Help us not to do that. Help us to, to come into this space each and every week understanding the weight and the wonder of what is happening. That we, might, that we might just give you the glory that you deserve, God. We might worship you fully. God, help us not to harden our hearts. Would we keep our hearts soft and willing and ready to be able to worship you and to hear from you each and every time we gather. God, thank you. Thank you so much for your word and for meeting with us here this morning. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning as we gather and and we'll, uh, let me just pray this prayer of blessing over you as we leave. And again, parents, you can pick up your kids on the playground and uh, if you're going to hang out and talk afterwards, outside is a great spot for that. So let me, uh, let me say this blessing over you. May our God God of grace and love and truth and mercy, the great king above all gods, the creator of all things who holds the world in his hand, may he go with you and ahead of you this week. May he go and be in your homes, in your workplaces, wherever you may find yourself, that you might make a difference for him. Go in grace, go in peace, and may you enter his rest this week. Amen and amen. Thank you for coming. You're dismissed. Thanks for coming this morning.